Happy New Year! Welcome to episode 103 of Stuttering is Cool, the first episode of 2011. And for once, I didn't stutter on that word. You know how many times I stuttered saying Happy New Year? <laughs> and 2011? I hope your holiday parties went well speech-wise and, and uh, disclosure-wise. I have to admit, I've noticed... Uh, something different this time around. Uh, I've mentioned in my last episode that I went on national TV to talk about the King's Speech and of course alerted all my families and friends about it and I guess having to essentially disclose in uh, such an overt way (laughs) in front of the whole country I guess put everybody at ease every time I I, uh, I uttered during Christmas and uh, New Year's celebrations. And I also hope you had a chance to watch the King's Speech. As of this recording, the movie recently opened up in the UK. In fact, that was last weekend. So firing up Skype. I'm speaking with Norbert Liegfeldt, who is the BSA Chief Executive and BSA meaning British Stamming Association. Uh, and who did a fantastic inter- interview with Colin Firth a few months ago. Um, Colin Firth, of course, who plays King George VI in The King's Speech, which is currently in theaters uh, for most of the world. And as of this recording, it has just been released in the UK. Orbert, welcome to Stuttering is Cool. Hi, Daniele. Nice to have Which you. Which I guess is, uh, for for the time being, we'll call the stammering is cool, since that's the term that uh, <laughs> that they, they use in the UK. But um, aside from that, congratulations <laughs> on uh, conducting an excellent interview with uh, with Mr. Firth. Thank you. It was, uh, it was actually less an interview than a chat. I, I came with a whole list of questions and I didn't get to ask a single one of them. But uh, it did work out in the end, I think. It did. I uh, I um, I had that feel feeling when uh, when uh, when uh, I was reading the uh, transcript. Uh, the transcript, by the way, is available on the BSA website, and I'll have the address in the show notes over at stutteringiscool.com. But back to the interview. Um, so, what was the whole experience like? Uh, it was it was quite interesting because uh, when I was shown into the into the inner sanctum, where it was just him, he, uh, uh, as a good British person, he said, "How do you do? How are you?" And I said, "Well, about uh, I'm a, about forty miles outside my comfort zone." <laughs> uh, I get that. It was very strange. It uh, it was a press. I think it's called a press junket, and it was at the Savoy Hotel in London, which is just about as posh as you can get. And I'd never been to the Savoy; only seen it from the outside. And uh, we were shown into this little room, which must have been a bedroom at some point, with a bed removed, where they with journalists hovering around and uh, you know everybody knew each other everybody called the other one the other person darling <laughs> and uh, talking about how you know Toronto is so much nicer and cheaper than going than the Venice Film Festival <laughs> and they were obviously all wondering who the strange weird man was uh, sitting in the corner um, and um, I then sort of got called in and again so they're all queuing up to come and uh, to get to talk to Colin Firth in groups and I was the one to be called in on my own. Wow. 
uh, and they still didn't know, you know, had no idea who I was, who I was coming from. So uh, I got in, I went in, and uh, he was there, and he offered me a glass of water, <laughs> and uh, we started chatting. Actually, he started chatting. He took control, total alpha male, I think, <laughs> took control right from the start, and um, yeah, no, he started chatting, and it was um, very nice. I think he's very skilled at making people feel at ease. It's quite an, uh, I think the point about being envious um, is quite interesting because I've had a lot of speech therapists in the UK here saying to me that it's very unfair that you, the man, should go and see him and all the ladies who'd wanted to go and see him <laughs> didn't, have, didn't have the chance. And I said, well, you know, I would say to them, well, this, this is uh, the jacket I wore to, to, uh, to see him and you may kiss the hem of my garment. Many of them have. Many of them have in the meantime. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm... Um here in Toronto reading on the website the interview and I have to admit I'm sitting sitting there thinking you know what if I were in your shoes um, what was yeah. going through your mind if you don't mind me asking I'm assuming that you were uh, stuttering oh, oh sorry 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 I, go ahead I wasn't a lot I mean we're talking about I mean I tend not to stammer a lot when I talk about stammering oh wow uh, okay. I don't know why. If it's always been like that, I could talk about stammering quite fluently, even though at the moment I stammer on the word stammer. But <laughs> uh, well, that is unusual. But I did stammer a little bit. Um, uh, so he knew that I was the person who stammers. Um, what went through my mind? Uh, I think what happened was he asked me lots of questions about stammering. Yeah. And uh, um, I could I could answer them. And I thought, well, this is easy. And, you know, they tend to be quite basic questions about stammering. And uh, the whole time I thought, well, you have to look interested. <laughs> look interested, no, but get him to talk. Um, and uh, I almost, almost forgot to switch on the, um, the, little, the little recording device. And halfway through, I just thought, oh, I hope this works. You know, all these useless little <laughs> bits of thinking that go through your mind. But... Um, yeah, I think it was mostly I was thinking, uh, well, I've asked people for their questions and I've got some really good questions and when is the chance for me to ask my questions? Yeah. But um, I think about halfway through, I thought this, is, this actually flows. This is working quite well. Yeah, we find out a lot um, about how, how uh, Mr. Firth understands our stuttering experience. In fact, I, I was... I was told, totally floored uh, reading how he just completely understands. Like for someone who uh, does not stammer, like I, like I was just told, well, not to use the same word, but floored. I was just really taken aback. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I thought it was rather strange that he said, actually, what is stammering? I have no idea. I know nothing about it. Uh, and um, that was slightly unsettling right at the start but then he said well actually um, I have, it's the third time I've played someone mm. who's Damas um, and I've had you know, problems with my voice at some point which gave me some insight but also he said this um, insight of being an actor and being on stage and having the audience's eyes on you and saying you must perform now and sometimes you can't okay. and what that feels like, he said. That, you know, that's what's given him the insight into, into the 
kind of endless, eternal agony of the block, as it were. Now, you've seen the movie four times already. Was there a fifth <laughs> since we last... Tried? Not yet. No, no, no. So I think four times will last me for a bit. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I didn't pay for the first three, so that all was right. right. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on uh, the movie? I think, um, well, it's, it's excellent in on many levels. I think it's it's good as a film. It's a good story. It is very moving. It's funny in parts, so you laugh a lot. Um, it is beautifully crafted. I mean, just the imagery is really nice to look at. Um, and, of course, the stammering and the story between, you know, the relationship between Logue and Bertie, uh, how that develops. It's just so beautiful yeah. and so rich. And you've got this disrespectful Australian colonial um, who is completely at ease in his own body and secure in, in the love of his family. And then you've got this privileged man who is neither Bertie, who is sort of so stiff. And, uh, you know, there's this kind of fictitious um, a therapy episode where he gets him to loosen his jowls and loosen his shoulders. And the the difference between Logue and Bertie, one being sort of, you know, completely at ease, the other one sort of, you know, having a having a broomstick up his bum basically <laughs> and he doesn't move at all really nothing moves in his face when even when he shakes his head um uh and how Logue sets out kind of the relationship from the start and how it develops and then to have at the end i don't want to take anything away from the from the people who haven't seen the film yet uh at the end to have this beautiful quote at the end of the speech you know the one with the w's that you just quoted um uh i just wanted to go you know just sort of you know punch the air and saying yes <laughs> that's it um so it, it gave me a lot and also you know i had these silent blocks a lot so um I said the first time I came out, it was totally shattered because I stopped, you know, I stopped breathing so long, <laughs> so often, you know, being caught in this kind of sympathetic phantom block, <laughs> along with him. So, and the other thing is, is I think what I noticed really are the faces. I mean, there's Colin first looking at the microphone, mm. and you see the terror in his eyes. But there's also there's this one moment. There's nothing to do with stammering. Uh, where they plan the coronation, and Archbishop Cosmo gets gets challenged by Logue. And uh, it's Derek Jacobi who plays him. And suddenly, this kind of slightly creepy but you know, reasonably harmless man, the face, it doesn't, nothing moves. There's no muscle moving his face. I don't know what they do by lighting. But suddenly, you know, I thought... It's a, it's a snake just about to strike. His face turns dark. Yeah. And it's get these little snippets of, um, of of imagery that stick in your mind. I think I quite like the film. I might come across. <laughs> <laughs> I've been gushing about the movie since September. And right. then I got the book and I had to order oh, yeah. the soundtrack. <laughs> oh, dear, no, I'm I have not no a soundtrack that. person. <laughs> Yes. But, but but at the end, I think when he is it the is it the adagio for you know the background mm -hmm. music to the speech it's Beethoven anyway, uh, Beethoven six I think it's the adagio and uh, you know I, I 
I um, I had to Google saying which piece of music I was. I kind of knew it was Beethoven or which one, and then I had to come home from the movie and actually play that music just to get that back into my head. Yeah, yeah. It was actually the music in the movie trailer that I really enjoyed so much that that made me want to get the soundtrack just as a souvenir. Um, uh, right. <laughs> have you had a chance to read the book? No, no. I it uh, we'd ordered it for the BSA library. Oh, okay. And I wasn't on there on the day when it arrived, which was just before Christmas. And uh, I came into the office the next day and had gone. <laughs> so <laughs> colleagues had buggered off with it. And uh, yes, our librarian uh, um, has written a review. So um, I haven't read the book yet. Okay. No. okay. It, uh, it offers um, a, ve- a very good background story. Um, you know, of co- course, it's written by. Uh, Mark Log, who is the grandson of um, mm. of Lionel, and if you're as crazy about the movie as uh, I am, it 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 uh, sort of helps extend the film a bit into you know you get to learn more about you know how you know where Lionel Log came from, how he came to the UK, you know the upbringing upgr- bring, of the princes and. You know about the time, like even the it, it even provides a context. You know, a, giving a very quick lesson in society during the '30s, and you know the yeah. war tension, and this is why this, you know, radio specific radio address was really important, and just a very good history lesson. So uh, to mm. speak. well, I think. Uh, um because I've always been quite interested in that kind of a time period, I think I kind of knew who those people were. So it's very interesting because I went to the cinema with a few people and uh, talked to other people uh, about it. And they, uh, it's it's really strange how removed um, part of that time already is that they had no idea who Queen Mary was, for example. Wow. I, well, I suppose she died, well, she died in 1953, I think, but um, uh, which is a long time ago, and at the Queen concert, I suppose. But, you know, uh, it's quite interesting that they, that, uh, that you know, for people who are not uh, interested in history, that that is already so way back in the past. Would you like to share some of your stuttering experiences um, throughout your life? Throughout my life, um, well, I've done uh, well. I've stammered, I suppose, like everybody else. Um, I haven't got many memories of stammering as a child. I think, I think I had a very sheltered upbringing in that sense. Um, mainly, I mean, people always say, you know, it, if it doesn't get discussed, the child thinks something awful that can't be. Can't be talked about, and my family stammering has never been talked about really. Um, but for me, I think it meant it wasn't anything really important. Uh, it's just something you know that you do. There are two instances I remember from school where a teacher mentioned my stammering. Uh, one of them was in uh, we had a quite an old fashioned English teacher, and uh, to learn English, we had to he, he thought good to learn things by heart. So every pupil had to learn things by heart and then recite because you get into the habit of speaking the other language without having to think about it. 
And I, I think I did the Gettysburg Address. And uh, we went. <laughs> I know. And he went round the uh, round the classroom and um, uh, said, you know, "Next, next, next." And then said, uh, uh, "said Well, you know, have I left, have I left anyone out?" And I thought, well, I, bl- <laughs> I learned this by heart, but I bloody well do it. And so I raised my hand, and I still remember to this day, and it must be, you know, that was, I was in 15, 16 at the time, that he said, uh, I didn't think you'd want to do that because of your stammer. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, and I remember it because I was so flummoxed. It hadn't occurred to me that anyone <laughs> would take a blind bit of notice of my stammer or see it as a problem. And... Um, in the next year, there was another episode with a teacher, which is too boring now to take. And again, you know, he kind of raised the fact that I stammered. And again, I was really surprised because no one ever mentioned it before as an issue or the problem. Uh, or you know, I was never bullied or I don't think I was teased, really. Um, ah. And <laughs> so I was quite sheltered. Uh, well, Germans are just nicer, I think. But... Uh, yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> But when I came to the BSA, I think that's when I got an appreciation of what a nightmare school was for many people. Mm. But also when I came here, um, that was in the um, early 90s, 1990. And I came here and that was the last of the big recessions under the conservatives. And unemployment shot up to 3 million, couldn't get a job. And I started teaching German in the bank and I kind of scraped through there. My speech got worse and worse. And um, I remember going for, I got a job interview in one of his graduate training schemes for London Underground as a buyer. Wow. I have no idea what this is, but I thought it was a job. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I got through the um, recruitment thing and I was invited for a weekend selection panel at one of their training grounds in a, one of these old stately homes outside London. And you go there, you go on the train, there's a bus that collects you again. And, and the Friday evening, everybody meets in the, in the little pub, then in the, in, the, in the bar, in the building, and you have a chat. And of course, you're already being observed how you interact with others. And that was absolutely fine. And then on s- Saturday morning, uh, you know, I woke up in my little room there in that building, and I knew I couldn't talk. You know how that yeah. goes. You haven't, you haven't spoken to anyone, but you know you're not going to be able to talk. So I rang up a friend of mine and said, I won't, I won't be able to talk. Speaking fluently, of course, I won't be able to talk, I won't be able to say a thing. And it, went, it was horrendous, two days of stammering like crazy. Wow. Um, and no one mentioned it. No one ever mentioned it. And then that, you know... After that, I needless to say, I didn't get a job. <laughs> um, and um, after that, I um, it took me about three or four months of actually not being able to talk. Literally, sort of, you know, can't talk on the phone, can't talk to people. Complete, you're complete withdrawal. That I went to see my doctor, my GP, general practitioner here, and um, said and told him what the problem was and I was totally fluent for the first time in four months I was totally I was, I was explaining to him in total fluency that I stammered like mad <laughs> and needed help and uh, you know you come out of this practice thinking what the hell was that why did this and uh, but fortunately he believed me and I got a referral to speech and language therapy and what I didn't know at the time was um, that uh, the woman that I saw was a highly qualified specialist in stammering. And we started off doing 
breathing exercises. And after four weeks, I said to her, really, I don't want to do that. It's not, you know, I don't want to doing breathing exercises for the rest of my life. And she said, all right, then what do you want to do? And so we started off uh, with a more psychological based approach. It's called personal construct psychology. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that worked really well for me, I think. What does it's that quite mean? interesting because it's a uh, personal construct. It's, it, basically, it's uh, it's a way tr- the way to try and change the way that you construe the world around oh, you. Oh, okay. So, uh, basically, everything we perceive is filtered through our constructs. So, if you see a person, you know, in the streets who's frowning, you might construe that as, you know, he's frowning because, because of you, something you've done. Um, or, um, you know, if, so, if I get stuck in a block, I might think people laugh at me. And she said, well, you know, how do you know? How do you know this is true? There's always a question. You know, this is what you feel. How do you know it's true? And I said, well, actually, you know, you, you know, what do you see? And actually, well, if I'm on a block, I can't see anything because my eyes are closed. <laughs> and she said, well, so, so how do you know people are laughing at you? So it's this it's, it's constant challenge of your conceptions or misconceptions. Um, oh, wow. Sounds like, like I, a great ther- therapy. Well, it's, it's, it, I think there's a lot of, it's a British thing, oh, sort okay. of, you know, it's, it's, uh, was developed by Faye Francella and another name, another person's name escapes me at the moment. <laughs> um, but, um, I think it's Peggy Dalton, actually, one of the founders of the BSA. And, um, it, I think it's probably less common now, but it was quite popular at the time. Um, um, I think speech language therapy here now, we often use the things like, um, cognitive behavioral therapy or brief therapy or problem solving stuff but I really enjoyed that um, I still remember that after six six weeks I think or so and that's 20 years ago she said um, at the end of the session she said today was the first time that you smiled wow <laughs> she gave me quite a, she gave me quite, gave me quite a start so obviously I must have been a bit and uh, she then said um you know, there's this open day of this place called the Association for Stammerers, um, which is what our name was then. And um, why don't you go along and um, see what you can get out of it? You know, then uh, don't want to hang around with a whole bunch of stammerers. And um, I told a friend of mine about it, and she said, "Oh, that sounds really great. I'll come and collect you because I want to go as well." She didn't stammer, and I still remember that that morning, Saturday morning, where I stood by the wayside and waiting for her in the car to come and pick me up because she lived in St. Albans in Hertfordshire. And I said, oh, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. Anyway, she dragged me along. And uh, I came into this hall and there was a whole room full of stammerers. And that was the first time I'd been in a room with other people who stammer. And that's quite a quite a huge thing. I still I still think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a life-changing thing. Mm-hmm. And the then director said, uh, you could do with some more volunteers to help on the helpline. And I thought about it again for four weeks. And then I knocked on the door and said, um, I've got spare time during the day. I haven't got a job other than teaching in the evenings. Um, so that's uh, that's how I started my career at the BSA. So uh, tell us, uh, those of us who are not familiar with the BSA, tell us what is the BSA? The BSA is... 
probably the best stammering association in the world. Uh, and I mean that totally objectively. <laughs> um, the British Stammering Association, we are the national UK association for everyone whose life is affected by stammering. And that is people who stammer, um, parents of stammering children, speech, speech and language therapists, teachers interested in the issue, anyone who is interested in stammering in the issue can become a member of the BSA. Um, we were founded in 1978 um, by a group of people who had, had intended an intensive course in London and um, who at the end of the course came together and said, well, we've been living our lives, um, you, know, you know, getting older and no one's ever given us any information, knowledge, whatever about stammering. So we need to set up a place that um, that provides that and that's how the charity was formed and the main aim is to provide information for you know on all aspects of stammering accurate unbiased information on all aspects of stammering and that's what we've been doing ever since I think in that sense we are different to organizations like CAPS possibly it's no longer CAPS isn't it the Canadian Stuttering oh, Association um... Uh, no, there's the British Columbia, um, something, something <laughs> stuttering. Some, I don't even really yeah. remember the name. That's the BCAPS, but then we have the CSA, yes. CSA, yeah. But it used to be the Canadian Association for People Who Stutter, I think. It might have been before your days. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, so, but I mean, basically, they and the, for example, the, the, the NSA uh, in in America, in 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 the in the U.S., uh, or the Federal Association for Stuttering Self Help in Germany, they are they tend to be focused on self help, um, and you know linked to chapters and self help groups. We are not. We are not. We are not. We know of self help groups, but they are independent of us, and sometimes quite fiercely independent of us. Um, so there's no organizational links between us and the self help groups. We have individual members. And uh, individual members come together to make Britain a better place for people who stammer. Um, so we've got the information service, the helpline, the um, the the website. The website has got about seventeen, eighteen thousand separate users every month. Um, wow. The helpline, <laughs> the helpline sends out about three thousand packs, information packs, two and a half thousand, three thousand information packs every year. So the information service is kind of at the core of what we do. And f from that, by analyzing what the problems are, we spin off projects. So the first one was always parents ringing us up and saying, my son is, usually his son is seven, eight, nine years old, and he stammers, what do I do? And I said, well, what did you do four or five years ago when it started to stammer? Because that's when you should have done something about it. And the answer was always, well, we went to see my doctor, yeah. and we went, or we went to see our health visitor, which is kind of like a, like a community nurse that gets to see... That, that, that visits parents as they have a, you know, small children regularly and uh, they said ignore it it'll go away <laughs> so the first because, uh, which is true for most children oh, fine oh, but oh, it's true, 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 true yes <laughs> but, but you know they have no no skills to make that diagnosis so um, the first project was our primary healthcare workers project in the mid 90s where we said we need to get to these people to general practitioners, or family doctors or health visitors, anybody to whom parents go and say to them, this is the wrong advice. If a parent comes to you 
don't tell them, ignore it, it'll go away. Because I'm, you know, at the time I was, I don't know how, how old I was in my 30s, you know, I'm still waiting for it to go away. Um, uh, send them to a speech therapist because you have speech therapy. You know, everywhere in the UK where you live, there's a speech therapy service. Send them to a therapist if the parent is concerned. And the therapist will make the judgment because that's what they're trained to do. Um, and so from, you know, that that's how we, how, how we then develop the project, but they tend to be based on the information that we get from people contacting us on the helpline. So we've got this early intervention work that is ongoing. Then we work on getting information through to schools. Because our, our very first information, um, our very first project for schools, we went into teacher training colleges and uh, also into schools and did large presentations to large groups of teachers and got the feedback forms and about 97% I think it says had no knowledge about stammering or what, how to support stammering pupil. The 3% who did knew something about stammering because either they stammer themselves or knew someone in the family who did. And we can send Cherry, my colleague, round to teacher training colleges all over the UK forever and just train them. But uh, that was a time when the government said every teacher in England at least should have a laptop because Government in London is only responsible for education in England. And um, uh, so we produced teacher training tools on a CD-ROM that they could put into their laptops, you know, in the drives, wow. have, have, have a little menu, uh, say, well, you know, I've got this stammering child in my class and today it's, it's reading out loud. What do I do? And just say to them, you know, here's a strategy where you can make sure this child can participate like any other child with a little bit of support. It's not rocket science, very simple things. For example, when it comes to reading out aloud in class, which is always a bit dicey, yeah. isn't it? It's hard to do. But uh, one strategy is all that, we, that we offered them was you could say to, to, to the whole class, well, you know, reading out, sort of, you know, everyone reads a paragraph. Now, who would like to read on their own and who would like to read with someone else? And there are always children who would rather read with someone else, whether they stammer or not. But if a stammering child is paired with someone else and reads along with them, they get their cues from their mate who's reading with them. So reading out becomes a lot easier. So it's little, little simple strategies like that. Um, so that was done and distributed to all schools in England. Then the Scottish government came to us and said, oh, we'd like that for Scotland. So we did that for the Scottish ones. And we've just now turned that into a website because we, we, we produced about 30,000 CD-ROMs and sent them out. But once you've done them, you can't change them yeah, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so now it's a, now it's a website um, that anyone can have a look at, um, stammeringineducation.net. Uh, and we are just about to launch three more websites wow. where we give it, where we give where we give information for parents on how to support their child through school and how to get the best for them out of the school system. You say, well, you know, uh, um, you know, if your child goes start school, goes into preschool, into nursery provision go into the school, this, these are the things you should be asking, these are the things you should be looking out for, ask for their policies on, on whatever, you know, mm -hmm. you know, and these are things you can ask for, these are the things you're entitled to in terms of help for your child. So uh, there are three websites, one for preschool, one for primary schools, one for secondary schools, um, which is kind of the 
going up to 16 and 18. And uh, that should be ready by the end of March. And uh, the third thing we are doing is uh, we're having a branch up in Scotland because since devolution, it's very hard to affect any change in Scotland from London with you know who listens to what we say. Um, and quite right to you, quite right to you. And uh, um, uh, that is facing some financial difficulties because of the current cutbacks and everything. And Scotland is quite a small part in terms of population. Um, so it's very hard to find the necessary resources to maintain a permanent base. But one of the, the interesting things we're doing there at the moment is we're trying to get a self-management toolkit for people who stammer. And that might uh, turn into like a like a forum website. So what we want to do is we're just launching a questionnaire saying, so what are the issues in your daily life that you face, you find difficulties? Uh, you find difficult, for example, is it using the telephone? Is it sort of job interviews? Is it... Um, Whatever I can't think of things. I could give you a thousand examples if I could think of one. And then we can say to people, well, if these are the difficulties that you face, what do you find helps? What do you find helpful in tackling these situations? You as a person who's damaged, not therapy, but everyday little things. And it could be, for example, you know, someone saying, well, you know, if, if I know I must make an important telephone call... I make two simple ones before, just to limber up my voice mm. and get going. For example, and it you know it should be just a website where we just people can just add their own thoughts and contributions on how to make difficult daily situations slightly easier. So uh, um, that's that's um, happening in Scotland at the moment. But of course, you know it'll be it'll be it's it's web based, so it'll be a lot it'll be a lot wider and plans for the future would love to have an employment project based wow. on we're just trying to trying to raise money for that it's very hard yeah. it's very easy to raise money for doe-eyed little children uh and saying well we can you can really make a difference to the life but for you know you know, you know hairy old geezers like me who <laughs> might have a problem with getting a job that's very you know you know that isn't much sympathy yeah. really for people who are <laughs> there so but we're trying to get um an employment project together where we might produce, um, for example, short podcasts for people, for and by people who stammer, saying, well, actually, Beautiful. you know, this, this is my job. This is what I do. This is how I tackle these problems. Uh, might get a podcast by a, by a, a human resource specialist and saying, well, if you go for an interview with a stammer, these are the things you should be looking out for. Or a podcast with a careers guidance person saying, if you are looking for careers guidance, this is what I can offer you. This is what you should be expecting. If you come to me for a session, this is what I can do. This is, what, this is how you should prepare. And just make the whole thing a bit easier. Uh, and also, I think sort of many of the young people who are now struggling to find a job, they're more used to accessing information like a, in a video podcast and in a written, in written form. Uh, so, uh, and we're trying to find some money to overhaul our website because it's a bit dated. <laughs> <laughs> and the and the NSA website looks so much prettier than ours now. We can't have that. <laughs> I know. I but know. It, I, mean, no, I mean, the website is is it's, it's very nice, but it's it's um, is I think it's probably. 
it could give stuttering homepage a run for its money in terms of contents, mm. the amount of content. But it was de it was developed in 1998, 99, and it's very web 1.0. You know, see what I mean? <laughs> it's like sort of you know, it's it's kind of we know all this stuff and we graciously give it to you, but you can't send anything back. It's not there's no communication. It's not mutual. Yeah, that's what what we got. What we have our our Facebook page for now and we've been running that for a year and this has been really amazing I mean, the Facebook um, thing has really really taken off so there's a lot of things happening yeah thanks for listening and thank you for being subscribed and if you're not subscribed please do subscribe <laughs> subscribing allows uh, new episodes to come to you instead of having you go to check each time to see if there's a new episode and I do hope that you are eagerly anticipating the next episode. And speaking of new, uh, there's also a new web site design. There's a new design for the website, uh, stutteringiscool.com. Go check it out. It's many months in the working and I'm happy to see it finally launch and kind of romantic that it's launching with uh, the first episode of the new year. Let me know what your thoughts are. Email it in an audio, sorry, email an audio <laughs> file <laughs> to coolstutter at gmail.com and I'll play it on my next episode. Alternatively, you can also uh, send me text and don't forget to sign up on the Facebook page and on Twitter. I'm Stutter Dude. There are so many ways to talk to me <laughs> and spread the word about the King's Speech and explain stuttering. Try disclosing stuttering. It's something that I've been struggling <laughs> with myself. Uh, veteran listeners uh, know that I am currently seeking new employment and uh, going on interviews and such. So I'm still struggling with the art of easing into disclosure. So, you know, I wonder if King George VI ever had to disclose his stuttering. <laughs>